Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Minister Kimberly Savage comes with a powerful message entitled, But by the Grace of God. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. Let's go ahead and start with our foundation scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, from the New King James Version. And this is Paul the Apostle speaking, and it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Hallelujah. And today I want to speak to us on the topic of, but by the grace of God. But by the grace of God. But by the grace of God. And let that sink in because everything that happens in our lives, but by the grace of God. So when you look at yourself, wherever you think you are, but by the grace of God. Paul makes this statement as he reflected upon his life as a persecutor of the church of God. That was his past, but he didn't rest there. He acknowledged that there was a grace on his life, and now that he began to accept it and operate in it, he was so sold out to the spreading of the unadulterated gospel of God. And even in the Amplify, it says, the grace of God that was on my life, it wasn't for nothing. It wasn't for nothing. How many of us have heard the statement, there but for the grace of God go I? My grandmother would say it all the time. You know, you look at a person in some type of situation, Whatever, and a lot of times you will wonder, well, why are they this? Why are they that? No matter where you saw them, she said, baby, there but for the grace of God, it could have been you. And as I speak to this room full of believers and maybe non-believers, all of us need to take the attitude of there by the grace of God, there go I. But by the grace It could have been me, no matter what it is, if it wasn't for the grace of God. Paul's testimony reminds us that God can use the most unlikely person in powerful ways for his glory. Not so that we become puffed up and have a big head, but for his glory. It's not about how smart or talented we are but how yielded our hearts are to a God who is so loving, to a God who is so good, what can happen in our lives? Yes. 
when we are totally sold out and surrendered to God. No matter what degree of education we have, but by the grace of God, it wasn't that I was so smart. There was a grace of God that allowed doors to be open that I could walk through them. Because my grandmother always said, she said, baby, you're smart, but don't become an educated fool. What was she telling me? Remember, but by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, if you got a million dollars in your pocket, but by the grace of God, if you got five dollars in your pocket, but by the grace of God, you are here. And this statement, but by the grace of God, John Bradford, he was a person studying law. Then God touched his heart and he became a theologian. And he saw two people going to be executed. And he said, therefore, by the grace of God, it could have been me. And two years later, he was executed. Two years later, he was burned at the stake by the order of Queen Mary I because he began to preach against Catholicism and teach on Protestant principles of Christianity. And at that time, they want, didn't want him upsetting the way they thought about things. So even when bad things happen to us, God's grace is still working no matter what it looks like, because sometimes we believe that when we become believers, we are exempt from hardships. We are exempt from trials and tribulations. And that is one of the biggest lies that the enemy has ever taught us. Because let me tell you something. You can be dead center in the will of God and still have hardship. Let this sink in. You can be right where you are supposed to be and still have hardship. Jesus was exactly in the center of God's will and he still had a Gethsemane moment. He still sweated bloods in the garden. He still had disciples, his circle, who let him down. He still had to go to the cross, but he was still in the perfect will of God. So believers, set yourselves like a flint on the cross and remind yourself, but by the grace of God, no matter how bad you have it, no matter how good you have it, there is still a grace on your life. Stop crying. When things aren't going like you imagine, your imagination is a fantasy and you ought to use it for good to see how you can creatively impact the kingdom of God. But you know what you use it for? Let me see how God gonna work this out. Let me put God in this box and because I pray, he gonna take this step and then that step and then this step and he gonna turn this way and it's gonna work out like that. You don't know. You don't know the thoughts of God. His ways, his thoughts are higher than ours. We can't even comprehend. When you think about your body, you're breathing without even thinking about it. You talk without even thinking about it. 
That's grace working in your body for how God designed it. And if you can't figure out how your body works, why do you think you can figure out all of the details and the plans of God? And why do you get so upset when things don't turn out like you imagine? Because how much control do you have over your thoughts? Are you really casting down thoughts and imaginations that do not agree with the word of God and bringing every thought, whether good or bad, into captivity unto the obedience of Christ? Because you think just because I imagine something good, that's the way it's supposed to happen. If it's not in the will of God, stop trying to kick the door down. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Four key points from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 about grace. And it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, through faith, but by grace. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Four things. We are saved by grace. We're saved by grace. So that means that God already took care of the most important thing about our life, and that is where we will spend eternity. So he said, for every person that believes... On the name of Jesus, they shall be saved. So he took care of the most important thing. So if he took care of that, why do we worry and fret and think he hasn't taken care of all of the other stuff? I mean, why? Why? If Jesus is the very best gift, the Maserati, the Maybach, the Rolls Royce, wherever you want to call it, why are you worrying and fretting about a Toyota? That's how everything else compares to what Jesus is. If he is the top of the line, everything else that we could ask for is all the way down here. And if he took care of the top of the line, believe him, trust him, and understand that his grace has already made provision. And acceptance of God's grace makes us new in Christ Jesus. Spiritually, we are new, but there are some things that we have to allow the grace of God to work out in our lives. It's not automatic. If all you say is, I accept Jesus and I believe on him and now I'm saved, you have fire insurance. Fire insurance. But God says that there's a grace in your life, so even if you had a past like Paul and you were bragging about how you killed Christians, you allow that work the grace to work in my life, and that will allow you to do things for my kingdom, to do things for my glory. That's what Paul did. His transformation allowed him to begin to spread the gospel and to live a life that was pleasing before God, and his life was not without hardship. Just because he decided, okay, God, I trust you, I believe you, I'm going to follow you, that didn't mean that people still weren't bringing up his past and still saying, well, how can you be preaching and teaching the word? I remember when you used to do such and such and such. And 
And last time I checked with God, he said, we are all right because my sins are cast into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up again. And I have a plan and purpose for you. You walk in it because I have graced you. Because God's grace in us, working in us, helps us to carry out God's plan. And a true comprehension of God's grace shifts the focus from my own morality to what has already been accomplished on the cross. So even when I want to get the big head, I remember, but by the grace of God. I didn't do nothing to make my life good. Yes, I could have made some good choices, but there was a grace to help push me into those things. And even if I made bad choices and I'm still on the planet, there's a grace still working in my life that says you have opportunity after opportunity to get it right. As long as you have breath in your body. See, God's grace is more than a pardon for our wrongdoing. It is an empowerment to have a divinely right relationship with him. And when we have that right relationship with God, he says, let my grace show you how much I love you. And then you in turn go love and serve other people like my grace is operating in you. Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And this is Paul speaking in the third person. <coughs> he started this chapter and he said, I know a man. Because in the beginning, he didn't want anybody to know he was talking about himself because he wanted to take the focus off him. But he, then he goes on by the time he gets to chapter 7 revealing who he's talking about. He said, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from being proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. We are never told what that thorn is. But we do know that it kept him from getting a, there you go. See, when we come to the end of our own strength and realize our own weaknesses, that's when we become surrendered to God and we elevate him in our lives. We put him in proper perspective in our lives. It's no little God and big me, but it's big God and little me, and you work it out in my life, but by the grace of God. And no matter what we go through, he says, my grace is sufficient because Paul went to him not once not twice but he said three times and he didn't say I was asking he said I begged him Lord take it away from me how many of you have ever begged and pleaded with God God get me out of this God work out this God work out that yes. and the situation remains yes. and what does he want you to know 
even in that, my grace is sufficient. And because God has been so good to us, hallelujah, we ought to be good stewards of his grace by serving others. See, his grace isn't about us getting everything that we need. He's saying, now that I bless you, what you going to do for me? So, by the way, what have you done for him lately? What have you done for him lately? When you look back at your life, when you look back at yesterday or last week, even today, what have you done for God lately? Where you weren't looking for anything in return, but you said, God, you have been so good to me. I can't help but share your loving kindness to somebody else. I can't help but to serve you because you have been so good to me. But by your grace. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4.10. So you have all these gifts, and he says, use them to heap up on yourselves, to make sure everything in your life is going right, to elevate your platform, to be an influencer with, so, with millions of followers, to have somebody else pat you on the back and say, good job. He says, use the gifts I gave you for all that worldly stuff. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a social influencer and people patting you on the back, but he says your motive should be when you know the gifts I've given you, you use them well to serve others. Serve others. Matthew 20 and 28, and this is talking about our big brother and savior, Jesus. It says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to say, look at me and how I got it going on. I can perform miracles. I can open blinded eyes. I can walk on the water. Look at me. It says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. So much so that he gave his life as a ransom for many, and that includes me and that includes you. We're kicking off or kicked off serve month yesterday. Have you signed up for an opportunity? There are some, go check out our website. Are you on a dream team or do you just come and enjoy watching the dream team members serve Sunday after Sunday while you sit and give? And you're like, oh, I got to get back home. I got to get my Sunday dinner. I got to go to brunch. I have to do this. I have to do that. I'm not about getting up all that early and stuff. How are you using your gifts for this local body? Are you in a connect group? Are you, are you a connect group leader? What are you doing to make sure that you can stay connected in the body? Because even in the connect group, we are serving one another when we're having our discussions about topics and we're building up iron sharpens iron and we're helping the kingdom of God to grow spiritually so that the body does not look like the 
world. And kudos to everybody who served in Kids Connect Camp this past week. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We thank you. Kudos to everybody serving on the Dream Team today. Hallelujah. Kudos to everybody in a connect group today. But how are you using your gifts for God? And you're like, well, I use them in the workplace. Okay, that's, that's beautiful. But your local body has need. Because when we all do a little bit, then that takes the weight off of everyone. See, if you have one horse trying to carry 500 tons, he probably isn't going anywhere. But what if you get seven or eight horses? They're going to take off. And then you have to ask yourself, am I slowing God's progress because I won't get in my position? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Now, see, this is the thing with God's grace. We have to realize how precious God's grace is. Because God doesn't want us to look down on other people, regardless of their struggle. Just because my struggle doesn't look like your struggle or my sin doesn't look like your sin, who are you to say that God's grace can't work it out in my life? Just because I don't look like what you look like now that you think that you have arrived. I'm just asking because, see, this is what happens in the body of Christ. We get saved for a little bit, and then we want to kick the door on everybody else. Well, why they ain't doing this and why they ain't doing that? I can't believe they said they saved and they still in this struggle. They still. Did you get immediately right? Did you get immediately right when God saved you? Are you still dealing with some areas where God says, come on up, I need you to mature in these things? Or did you say, oh, I got my grace? And you close the door to everybody else. I'm just asking because even as I thought about uh, some rulings from the Supreme Court this week, and I was talking to a couple of people about it. And I'm not trying to be political, but to me, and I'm saying me, Pastor Trish, <laughs> it is so similar to the state of the body of Christ. Because this is somebody who said, I benefited from affirmative action and I got in the door and I rose. So now let me kick the door closed to everybody else. And then we as the body of Christ said, I got saved. I benefited from grace. So let me kick the door closed to those who have a lifestyle that is not pleasing to God. But just because you can see it doesn't mean that God isn't working. At the end of the day, I don't know who you got out of bed last night with that you're not married to. I don't know what you might be smoking and drinking. I don't know what you may be doing in private that doesn't look like God. So who am I to say? If that same grace can change a persecutor of Christians, one who was killing them and bragging about it, why can't it change everybody else who has a sin that doesn't look like mine or yours? But by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, we don't have 
that right to tell people that God's grace is not enough? Because if you look back in your life, you know you've been in some stuff. You know you've been in some stuff, and you could be in some stuff right now. And I'm not beating you up about it. I'm saying I love you. I'm encouraging you to get in the connect group so that you can stay in the word and have accountability and grow up and mature in the things of God. But how dare me benefit? How dare I benefit from something that God gave? And I don't want anybody else to have it unless they can accept it and live like I live. But if God checks my heart, would it be pleasing to him? Because I could be doing things that are not illegal, but they could be unethical. They could be immoral in the sight of God. I'm just trying to tell us. We got to grow up because I heard it said in entrepreneurial circles, if you set yourself on fire, the whole world will come and watch you burn. That means, you know, you're going to rise to fame, success, if you set yourself on fire. But how about the body being set on fire with the Holy Ghost and the agape love for people? When the whole world come and watch believers burn with the passion of God, when they came in contact with us, would they not say, mm, there's something about them. There's something about that encounter. Whatever it is, I need that. How could we change the world? See, what would happen if we were more curious than judgmental? What would happen? If we were more curious than judgmental, you're like, well, why I need to know that? Sometimes, because we know the word will do what it will do, but we don't know what somebody has been through that puts them in the position that they're in. But God can override that, but we never give them the opportunity for it because we beat up on them so bad that they think that there's a God out there that doesn't love them. And we put so many barriers in front of them that block their pathway to God. God says, that's not your responsibility. I told you to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And then guess what? And then I told you to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you can't love people, is it really that you don't love yourself? Is it that you really don't believe in the love of God for you? I'm just asking. Because God never told us to beat up on anybody. He did tell us to speak the truth in love. But when you're speaking the truth in love, are you trying to draw them to Christ or are you just trying to point out their sin and let them know how much you got it going on? Because but by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, but by the grace of God. And I remember... Um, when I taught, I, I, I brought up a scenario with my students, and I said, because I was trying to teach also character education, and God would allow me to slip, you know, him in all the time. Bless the Lord. And I taught, and I said, there are two homeless people on the street. One is a man, one is a woman with two kids. Who are you going to give the money to? Oh, sorry. <clears throat> We're going to give it to her because she got two kids and she probably came out of an abusive relationship. He probably a drunkard and a drug addict and he just wants some money to go to the liquor store. 
This is what they said. And y'all saying, ooh, God, but how many of us have thought that? Or something else along those lines. So I said, well, what if he was never on drugs, is not an alcoholic, but he had cancer, then his wife got cancer, the insurance was inadequate, and he ended up losing everything. And this woman on the street, well, her two kids is a scammer. That's her niece and her nephew. She has learned how to get money out of it. And then they got all kind of hot about the situation. But this is the thing. You don't judge people based on what they look like. You don't know what they've been through. Our job is to love them, pray for them, and serve them. Isn't that what God did? If we were more curious than judgmental. Hmm. Because let's go to the Samaritan woman at the well. Got a room full of believers. And those of you who are not, this is a Samaritan woman. And of course, Samaritan people had no business, no business, no business talking to the Jewish. Because the Samaritans, they were way down here. And then the Jewish people were way up here. And Jesus saw this woman at the well. And she's like, um, and he says to her, please give me a drink of water. Please give me a drink of water. And she said, who are you to ask me for a drink? I know y'all don't have any dealings with me. And this is what the world says. When we try to step up and try to share them with Jesus, they're like, who are you to talk to me? Because I know how you feel. I know how hypocritical and judgmental you are. But let me tell you, Jesus was so loving and tender with this woman in his encounter. And he said to me, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink of water. But he was so tender with her. And he said, the time is coming when people will worship God in spirit and in truth. And that time is now. And... In his beautiful encounter with this woman, in this moment of speaking the truth in love, in this moment of redemption and curiosity, he left the door open so that after she left his presence, you know what she did? She went running and said, come see a man. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He is the Messiah you can go back and read all the in-between. But the point I'm trying to make is Jesus had an encounter. Instead of beating her over the head, because he did speak the truth in love, he said, where's your husband? And he said, yeah, you're right. She said, I don't have one. He said, oh, yeah, you're right. You got five. Okay? He told her that. But it was in such a loving way that it still kept the door open for her to receive him as the Messiah. And then she took what he deposited in her and she went running off and she said, come see a man, come see a man, come see a man, but by the grace of God. So when people come in contact with you, do you lead them with the desire to run off and tell somebody else, come see a man who told me everything I ever did and he is the Messiah. Because what happens when you come in contact with people? Do you remember, but by the grace of God? So when we go out to serve people, we need to remember, but by the grace of God. I would have students who were homeless, who lived on the street, but they rose to be scholars. 
And even though they smell, I would pray and I'd say, God, anoint my nose because I still had to love them. I couldn't. And my students knew if they wanted me to go from zero to 60, they was like, Dr. Savage is crazy. If they started talking about people and I would give them the business and let them know these students have nothing to do with how they got here, but God loves, and I would tell them straight up, God loves everybody. How dare you? And we created a culture of caring about one another and loving one another. When we go out into the community, regardless of the people that we find, regardless of the people we come in contact, when we open up our doors for worship, regardless of what they look like when they come in here, how short their dress may be, whatever they smell, like will their contact with us say I want Jesus because that's how we need to appreciate the grace of God because we need to love people the way God loved us because we could have been dressed up on the inside and looking like a stinky stinky mess I said that wrong, but y'all know what I mean. Dressed up on the outside, stinky, stinky mess on the inside. And they may look like a stinky, stinky mess on the outside, but they have a heart that's so hungry for God. Let's cultivate that so that they have but for the grace of God. And they have that kind of experience. Because at the end of the day, none of us can take credit for the grace of God. And instead of taking credit for it, why don't we start thanking God for it? Because it's a gift. It is a gift. Uh, one of my sister's colleagues, Mr. Banks, shared this story with me several years ago. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I thought it was a beautiful story. And it was about, and it's been passed around a long time, but I thought it was appropriate for this. And I'm just going to paraphrase for it. There were all these businessmen who had to catch a flight out of Chicago O'Hare. But in their trying to hurry to get to their flight, they knocked over an apple cart. Little girl was selling apples in the airport and they knocked the cart over. All of them went on to catch their plane and did not look back at the damage they had done. One man had angst in his heart and he turned back around and he told one of his colleagues, let my wife know I'm going to be late. I'll catch a later flight. He went back to the apple cart, helped the young lady pick up all of the apples and then he paid her for them. And he said, I'm so sorry. And this young lady with tears in her eyes said, are you Jesus? And he said, his heart was so touched when she asked him, are you Jesus? And he said, no, I'm nothing like Jesus. It took a lot for me to turn around. And she said, the reason I asked is because I prayed and I asked Jesus to send somebody to help me. And we have a community out there that is crying and they're praying 
for Jesus to send somebody to help them. We are the hands. We are the feet of Jesus. And if the body of Christ can just get a revelation of, but by the grace of God, there goes I. It could have been me. I don't have any right to be mean to another person. I don't have a right to judge anybody else harshly. Look at the person next to you. Take a look, turn your head. Look at the person on the other side. Do you know what it costs for them to be a believer? It costs Jesus everything. It costs Jesus everything. And that's how important each person is to God, that Jesus, he died for our sins. And but by the grace of God, whatever state we are in, he can work out all of those issues and kinks in our lives, but we need to serve people and love people and understand God's grace is so amazing. He saved us by grace, and we need to realize that grace that we have operating in our lives. It sustains us. You know the songwriter, many of us heard it say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fear relieve. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. I'm talking about God's amazing grace, but by the grace of God, grace got you up this morning. Grace started you on your way. Grace put food on your table. Grace reminds you that God is able. Grace opened the door you never knocked on. Grace made a way when you thought there was no way. Grace answered a prayer that you never prayed. Grace gave you favor that is beyond measure. I'm talking about grace. I'm talking about grace. I'm talking about grace. I'm talking about grace. It never runs out. It never runs out. God's grace, it saved you. God's grace, it is amazing. But for the grace of God, but for the grace of God, I'm talking about grace. Grace. Is anybody grateful for his amazing grace? Is anybody thankful for his amazing grace? If you are grateful for the Lord's amazing grace, you ought to walk like it. You ought to talk like it. You ought to love like it. You ought to live like it. I'm talking about his amazing grace. When we serve him, knowing but by the grace of God, it could have been me. But by the grace of God, it could have been me. Lord, I thank you. 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 Anybody got? I thank you, Lord. Anybody got? I thank you, Lord. 
for your grace, for your grace, for your grace. Hallelujah. 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 Woo, Jesus. God is expecting us to show the world that he lives and that he is good and that he loves them and that there is no sin that the blood of Jesus did not cover. And even if they have the false idea that they have to get it right before they can accept his call to accept Jesus. Because we can never fix ourselves. We can't get it right by ourselves. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of God. And anytime we look at other people, anytime we're serving other people, even in the body and outside of the body, we have his unearned, unmerited, and Lord knows it is undeserved. It is undeserved. But God never holds us hostage to what we don't deserve. Because he says that I love you so much that I've already made provisions for you to come out of the kingdom of darkness. No matter what you think your life looks like, you can't get it right in and of yourselves. You need the grace of God. I'm going to ask everybody to stand right now. I'm asking everybody to pray in the spirit right now. As I extend invitations to those who have never accepted the grace of God, and that is through accepting his son, Jesus. If you have never made a decision to yield to God, by accepting Jesus, you never made a decision to ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you now. I'm asking that you raise your hand and accept the call of God to release you from darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. 
Praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.